0: man how about that well if there was a demon in here he's gone (laughs) he's gone hey i'm so glad it (laughs) hi there you go go jesus that's right all cheerleaders for jesus Man, I, I I am I am so excited to be back, and I am so excited to be with you guys again. I have missed all of you, really. Uh, you don't know understand how how much uh, when you have a pastor's heart for people, you really concern and you labor in prayer, and, and not in an unhealthy way or an oh my gosh what's going to happen way, but really the Lord begins to give you insight for those you are leading so that you can pastor them and shepherd them and really know what it is the people need to hear and be trained in, developed in, and strengthened in. Man, I, I tell you, you know, we, we are in that place in, in the world and dry bones are, are there, but I love the declaration of that prayer, that, that, that song that dry bones are starting to rattle and the church is going to wake up the church is going to wake up. Somebody ought to be excited about that uh, because the church needs to wake up. It's time for the church to spread and to move, and that means we got to make disciples. We got to reproduce ourselves into others, but there's some things that kind of hinder us, and so this this series is really geared towards attacking that, but before we get in, a lot of things that I want to share with you over the next several months. Next year, I've got a, a lineup of messages that God has put on my heart that I can I 'm going to take from our sabbatical time and just begin to pour into you guys and love you guys right where you are and, and be with us. Their staff is here with you to walk this thing out to hope to, and to help you become all God created you to be, and He has got so much more in his hands and so we're going to begin to attack that today, but first, I have some announcements for you. This month, at the end of November the 29th, we're having a baptism, and so if you've never been baptized, or you've just been sprinkled, or you were baptized as a child, and you're like, man, I had no idea what I was doing, all hell is breaking loose, and I didn't even live like a believer, uh, now it may be a, a good time to say, you know, I really want to get baptized, and so I got dunked but now I'm ready to get baptized or I realized I wasn't even saved and so I just took a little plunge and so I'm ready to actually get baptized. I want, to, I want you to know what that means on the 22nd of November, I wanna meet with you, but you'll need to register and you can go to our, our, our church center app that I'm asking all of you to download if you don't have it downloaded already, then there's a card at our giving table. Just as soon as you walk out, before you walk out of the, this room, there's a card there that will help you walk through the process of downloading that app. Or you can go to our livewithpurpose.church kiosk that is near our cafe and you can register online right there. All the things that I'm about to tell you and we always tell you as announcements, you can go in and you can register in those spaces. So it's really helpful for you to have that app. And so we have that on the 29th and then also, this year, we wanna make a difference Christmas style. It's part of our vision, is making a difference in the world around us. And you probably know, or maybe you've been through a really difficult time, a difficult year, because of whatever. Maybe it was because of some COVID effects, and financially, man, you are strapped, and Christmas is coming. Or you know some people, you have some neighbors that you're in relationship with, or enough that you could establish a relationship through this, uh, is. Giving Getting some information, we want, we're asking that you guys get some information of families who are in need, a family who is in need, and bring that. We want you to get the name of the, the need, the, the one who'd be the beneficiary, so to speak, your name and number, and then details about for their kids. Uh, there's, there's a list for shirt size, shoe size, pant size, and maybe an, an item, a special item that that child may want. And we want to ask you to fill out through it in our church, church center web, uh, website, website and app. And there's a form in there, fill that out and send it to us, no one else will know whose name that is on. You and the staff so that we can sort that out. So that has to be turned in though in two weeks, November, by November 22nd, because on the 29th, we're gonna work hard and get some cards made so that a, another family here can take a, find a card, take a card and say, you know what, I really wanna bless another family this year for Christmas or maybe you're strapped and you're like, well, I can afford a little bit, but not a lot. We would ask that you get with your Thrive Tribe or some other friends that you may have in this church and say, hey, you want to partner together and take care of a family so we can give Christmas, we can make a difference this year. And so as you do, as you choose that, we ask that you bring those items back, identified for the child, bring those back on our Christmas worship experience on December 20th. Don't, you don't have to wrap them. Don't worry about taking the time or the money to do all of that. And we will take those. We will gift back, put those in a gift bag. And then that week of Christmas, with our youth and our young adults, we're going to go out to each one of those homes and bless those families and pray over them and just pray for God's best in their lives. So is that good? And I think it's really good. I think when you can change somebody's life really affect their life, it is, it is worth the sacrifice. So uh, we also, those who are on our GO team, that's our volunteers, that's our people who make the heart of everything that we do. They're, they're the ones that make all of this happen. We're having a heart and soul, which is a, a party just for you next Saturday. So if you're on a GO team and you, you have been sent an email, we're asking that you RSVP today, by today, you've had, you probably had the email in your, in your basket for a while, But if you have not received an email from us, would you talk to your ministry lead or staff member and say, hey, I'm on the go team, but I haven't received an email and they'll help you navigate to get that so that you can send that back in today so that we can prepare for you, okay? Now, if you're not on a, in heart and soul, if you're not on our go team, and you're like, "Man, I'm going to miss this. I want to party. These guys are rock stars in partying." Well, <laughs> we want you to be there in the future. And so, how you do that is going through next steps, our next steps experience. And we actually had one going on right now during the 10:45 service. Don't leave. Don't leave. Wait, come back the fourth weekend of November, every second and fourth weekend. During the 1045 service, we have our next steps. And we ask that every one, of the, and every one of you go through that so you can discover more of who we are, where we come from, why we do the what we do, what we believe. But then in the second, the second moment, the second experience, you'll discover more about you, your gifts, your talents, how your, your gifts are purposed. Your ability, your personality type is purposed for the kingdom of God, and so we want to help you and serve you so that you can become all God created you to be. So today, this week, that's all the announcements, boom, loaded down, a lot of stuff going on, and you're like, well, I got a lot of Christmas parties going on, I got all this stuff. That's November and December, right? We just suck it up and move on with it. So this week is Veterans Day, coming up on the 11th. Do we have any veterans in here? Veterans, boom, boom. This guy that just left, boom, boom. Yes. Yes, there you go. Yeah, would y'all stand up? Would y'all stand up if you're a veteran? Would you stand up? That's good. There you go. Stay stay standing, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. stay, Stay, please. Would you guys reach your hands towards them? We just want to bless them. Father, we just thank you so much for them, for their frontline efforts of helping to, to, to keep America and help America to become what it is, the place of freedom, the place where we have freedom of speech and freedom of religion, freedom of faith, rather, Lord, the freedom to meet in this place. Father, thank you that they have labored emotionally, physically, spiritually. Their families have struggled even through this time. Father, we just pray for an extra measure. Of grace to replace those pains and those sufferings and those losses, even maybe some losses that have incurred from those situations, Father. We just ask for grace upon grace on their lives and their families that you bless them. And we thank you for their lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody say, Amen, 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 amen. Yes, you know, we're, uh, this is, thank you guys for getting it to where it is. And we hope that it's able to stay or progress in, in, in God's way as a country. And we know that there's probably some weight that people are carrying because of our presidential situation and who actually is the president. We know who the president is, who will be the president, and what's really going on. You know, there's a lot of those thoughts and those concerns, anxieties, and wonders. But really... All we need to remind ourselves, as Delaney was saying, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is still on the throne. He's still in charge. He's still the top dog. He's still the boss. And he does give us a word. 2 Corinthians 7.14 is a great word for his people. And if you don't know that, I want you to begin to look in your Bible and to begin to extract that, write it down, meditate on that word and say, how can I put this word into practice for my life, for my family's life? Because it's very, it's very important and it's very situational as well. So I want to... Ask you in these, I mean, for days, if not for the next several months, to begin to pull that verse up daily and just read through it and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And it says this If my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. The if my people will humble themselves, seek my face, repent, pray turn from their wicked ways. Do you see it? If, then, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Now, who doesn't want God God to hear in heaven and heal the land? Great. I'm glad there's no hands. I'm just so glad that nobody... So, what he's asking us is to humble ourselves, to repent from our ways, probably taking on some culture. It's always, been, it's always been the thing that as God's people start to get close to culture, there's always been this time of, okay, guys, let's get it straight again. And so humble ourselves, turn from our ways. Hey, Lord, is there anything in me that does, it doesn't look like you? And help me with that help me with that. And so I want to repent from that. He's a loving father. He's going to be really kind. He's not shaming you. Satan is condemning you, but God is not shaming you. And he just wants to walk this thing out with you and help you through that so that you can have the fulfilled life. What happens is he hears from heaven and he begins to heal your home. He begins to heal your city. He begins to heal your nation. And then healing just comes around the whole globe. And so you think, well, I got to change everybody. No, I just got to change me. So here we are, we're talking about overcoming, empowered to overcome in this series, because in this season, it's tough, and so we need a little bit of empowerment, and we need to be, feel a sense of empowerment so that we can move forward in everything that God has, but how do we do it? I don't feel so empowered. This week, we're specifically talking about overcoming fear, overcoming Fear. Uh, there's several steps, there's, there's several other topics I wanna, I'm going to begin to talk through, but I felt like the first one is we need to just hit fears, fear head on. Because without hitting fear head on, we're going to struggle in these next three. And so I want to encourage you, don't check out Come to each four, every four of these this weekend in November so that you can get everything that you need for that empowered and abundant life, the fulfilled life that Christ has for you. And so whether you're struggling with fear or you know you are or not, you need to know that Jesus identifies with you. So I'm going to talk to you about the understanding fear because scripture tells us in Hosea 4.1 that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So we need to have a little bit of knowledge. I'm gonna give you some knowledge. I'm gonna give you an understanding of why Satan uses fear, but we're gonna have fun, and I'm gonna show you how to break the spirit of fear that is and probably likely is tormenting some people Some people in your life, if not yourself. So let's look at this. Luke 22:39 39 says, "'Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, "'and his disciples followed him.'" One, I mean, on reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. I thought that was really interesting because you remember, the Satan didn't let up in the wilderness until Jesus had overcome temptation. And so he's trying to show his disciples, Hey, how I did this was prayer. And he's showing us, Hey, how we do this is prayer. But let me show you. He withdrew from about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, If you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted, from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked. He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I want you to pay attention to that word, being in anguish. This word is a Greek word, agonia. It says he was, he was in agony. It is for being in fear. It says if, the meaning is, is If you're going into a wrestling match or a fight or maybe a test or an exam or a challenging moment, uh, maybe a new job interview, a situation that's really, man, I've never done this before or not at this level. I'm a little stressed. I'm feeling in trepidation, a little sense of fear. And so that's what it means. that's what agonia means. But in the New Testament, this word literally means not, not denoting, not the fear which draws back, the, draws back and flees, but the fear which trembles in the face of its issue yet continues to the end. Let me put this in context. Jesus was in this place of trembling and concern, and he was, he was feeling the reality of being a son of man, being human. And he was in this place where I'm about to be sacrificed. I'm about to go to the cross. And he's saying, Father, if there's any other way we can do this for salvation, please let it be, but not my will, thy will. And because of that, in that agonia, he said, yes, I'm intrepid. Yes, I am have a sense of fear and concern, but I'm going forward anyway because I know this is your will and I know it is important that this thing take place. So I surrender my life for the sake of your purposes. And there's moments in our lives where we have that same sense of intrepidation or agonia, and we're going into a life happening, a life situation. It's something we've never gone into, and there's a moment where God is sitting here saying, listen, I'm going to give you the grace to go through this because it's my will. And at that same moment, the, the whisperer, Satan, is sitting there saying, You're never going to make this. You're going to fail. You're going to mess it up. And so many people are watching you. Can you believe this? Here's what's going to happen. You are such a failure. And that moment, there's this split moment. Or no matter the time frame, we either push forward in agonia in the sense of, yeah, I'm going to use this as fuel to move forward. Or we say, I'm not ready. I'm I'm so full. I, I just don't know if I can do that. And we draw back from the very thing that we know God has purpose for us because we gave in to this spirit of fear. You gotta remember, Luke was actually a doctor. Uh, he, writes in, he writes in his book something that's unique to all the gospels, the other three gospels don't menace, mention this, that Jesus was sweating blood. This is called hematohydrosis. It literally means where your, your blood vessels erupt, they pour into your sweat glands and then you start to sweat blood. And so here he is in the middle. He didn't, just, he didn't just bleed on the way to the cross, on the cross, he bled all the way from the garden on the way to the cross for you and I. He was going through, struggling through so much agony and so much fear and so much concern, but why? Why? Why is it all of a sudden this is the first time that we see Jesus wrestling with any kind of fear? He had already overcome temptation in the wilderness when he started his ministry, and now here he is in agony, in a fear, in intrepidation. Well, let's look at this. Why Jesus was so fearful before death. I'm going to give you three things. One is identification as a fellow human. Remember, he was the son of man. Identification as a fellow human. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have, uh, he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray. Listen, ignorant means just a lack of knowledge. Remember, God's people are being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. God's people are being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so that's why we're in this place of, well, I just want to give you the knowledge so you understand fear, where it comes from, why it exists, and then how you can easily overcome it any hour of any day in any situation. I'm keeping you from being, all right, so, so you don't go, you get it? So since he himself is also subject to weakness, Jesus is subject to weakness, absolutely he is. Absolutely he was when he's on earth. He was in human form. He was subject to weakness so he could identify with you and I. He saw that, man, this is a struggle for those guys. Let me come to earth so I can show them, model this thing, and say, hey, guys, here's how you do it. Here's how you walk it out. Make it simple. Quit being religious, and let's just have a relationship with the Father, and let's just do life the way we're purposed and designed to do it. Fearless. So when you're wrestling with many doubts and worries and anxieties, these are all stemming From fear, you you go to him and you go to the father and you say, Lord, I'm fearful of this. God loves that. He loves when you come to him and you say, Lord, I'm just really concerned. I'm really struggling with this thing. God doesn't look at you and say, well, you're pathetic. You need to have more faith. Satan would love for you to believe that. Satan would love for you to believe that he's barking orders. God looks at you from the throne of grace on the mercy seat and he says, I understand. I've been there too. So he looks at you not like you're, you're a weakling or you're pitiful or you're, you're, you're so sad, you're disgusting to his eyes. He's like, no, that's how, exactly how I created you. Thank you for being humble and honest and coming before me. We can work on that. And Psalms 103, 8 and 9 says this, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his, keep, keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy. We'll thank the Lord for that. Towards those who fear him, who have reverence for him, who are humble before him. As as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear Him, have reverence for Him. You don't have to be so fearful and intrepid and say, I can't come before the Father. That's a lie from Satan. The fear that the Scripture is saying is in reverence and humility and honor and love and saying, Lord, man, I am messed up in this area and I really need your help. You don't have to be fearful that He's going to hit you over the head. He knows you're messed up. (laughs) He made you. Fourteen, for He knows our frame, see? And He remembers that we're dust. He knows what we're made of. He remembers he formed us in, in, from dust. He knows that we're, we're frail and in and of ourselves. That's why it's so miraculous that he has created us so that we tromp over, stomp over the skull of Satan. He says, even the dirt that you're on is going to be Lord over you. Some I mean, of you get it. But Satan wants us to believe that God is disappointed, for, disappointed in us for being simple human, for being a human being, and that God is in heaven barking orders and demanding us that we be better and faster, and I can't believe it, what's wrong with you? God, and every bad thing happened to you, happening to your, you in life is a judgment because of what you've done. Satan would love for us to believe that. It is, it's actually the exact opposite. God put all of that wrath on his own son and he finished it. Everything that Satan tries to convince you that that God is going to bring towards you, he says, no, I already did that on my son. You just need to receive him. And Jesus understands anything that you're going through in this life because he went through it too. And no one has ever been as rejected as Jesus has. Though we all struggle with rejection because since the fall of man and Adam and Eve, since the the disobedience in the garden, there was a sense of rejection that was felt and it has stemmed on for generations, even to our generation. So you have to realize, wait a minute, I'm not being rejected, but I am dealing with rejection. There's a big difference, and I'm going to explain that next week. A big difference. Hebrews 4.16 says... Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. This word boldly literally means, hey, daddy's in the office and he's having a meeting with two very important clients, but you're his son, you're his daughter, and whenever you're struggling, you have a need, you have a pain, you have a fear, you can say, Turn that doorknob, fling it open and say, Daddy, I need some help. I am fearful of this or I'm struggling with this thing. And he says, guys, meeting adjourned. He focuses completely on you. And he says, hey, son, hey, daughter, what is it you're going through? How can I help you? I have mercy and I have grace to help in the time of need. So I'm merciful for what you're going through. I understand it's going to be OK. And now let me instill some grace into you that empowers you to move forward through the agonia, through the situation through the intrepidation, through the issue, so that you can become all God, all I created you to be. That's what he says when he says you can come boldly to the throne of grace. He says you can come boldly to the throne of grace and sling open the door and say, Daddy, I need to sit in your lap for a little bit. And he doesn't doesn't want a religious experience with you. He wants relationship. He wants to, talk, to with you, talk with you maybe even more intimately than you do with friends around you, the closest friends around you. He wants to begin to work inside the inner workings of your soul and help you work through the issues of the past and the struggles of yesterdays so that you can find healing and find freedom in those areas so that you can become even more bold and more, live more abundance. That's your Daddy. That's what he wants for you. And he's completely opposite from some of our understandings of our unearthly father. But Lord, bless them. They did their best. Don't hold God according to them. Bless them. Pray for them. Honor them. Learn. We need to learn to honor. Learn love. Learn unity. You know, I had a lot of time with my kids this past uh, month and it was one of those moments where you kind of second-guess, like, boy, it sure would have been nice to have a babysitter for a month. But, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's also one of those times where I really got to slow down and I just paid attention to my son and paid attention to my daughter, and I just watched them as they were doing things, as they began to grow in their interactions with with each other, and they even got more comfortable with us and growing in our interactions with us. And I and I watched how they would why they would do things, and that was always even talking to my heavenly father as I was having moments of maybe I want to respond to my wife in a certain way or to my kids in a certain way. I had enough time where I would just sit there and say, Lord, why, why is that my response? Why is that coming up in my heart and I want to react that way? And then he would begin to show me, well, this is, this is some things that you dealt with with your dad. This is some things that you dealt with with your stepdad. This is some things that you dealt with with maybe your mom. This is some things that you dealt with with some other bosses." spiritual authorities in your life. And so I sit there, and I'm sitting there asking the Lord, what do you say? And there's this exchange, and then peace. And then I respond from that place in my best self, and I, and I learn to love and lean in, and I learn to switch my role from parent to father and daddy. And there's a big difference, because a parent is just dealing with the issues of their children to get through the day or the week so that they can get their life done, but oftentimes because they're having to struggle to provide for their children so that they can give their children the best life, the one that they didn't have, and all the while neglecting, not on purpose, but accidentally, the reality that those ch- our children just want our presence, and they want our company, they want our encouragement, they want our pos- a position in our hearts, and to figure that out is like, wow. That's what my daddy wants with me too. Man, so good. I do want to tell you this. I also discovered that if my son comes to you like this, he's not giving you the right hand of fellowship like Peter and John did to Paul. He's actually showing you that I've got poopy on my hands and and I need somebody to clean my diaper. And so don't shake his hand if he comes to you like this. (laughs) Don't do it. And at the playground, whenever my daughter, because we spend a lot of time at the playground, you think you're going to go on these amazing hikes, and you're going to go in the mountains and do all this, and, and all my kids can think about what's the next playground we're going to. And so you yield, you surrender, and you say maybe one day when they're 15 or something, we'll do all that. And so I go to the play. We spend hours daily at the playground in 30-degree weather, some days snowing. They don't care. And so when they couldn't, couldn't slide down the slide ride, or, or they, they did a face dive at the end of a slide because they don't know how to go down, or they're on the monkey bars and trying to figure it out and they can't, and one time Naomi just stuck, daddy, daddy, and I'm not even out of the vehicle yet. And there's other strangers running over to rescue your child. And in all those moments, never did I say, oh my gosh, you're pitiful, I can't believe it, you're such a weakling, why are you so small, you need to grow up. And your daddy's never gonna do the same thing to you because he remembers your frame and he knows what you're made of. <laughs> and so I run to her rescue and I say, I'm so proud of you for trying that. Let's do it again. And I will help you and hold you as you do that. And I encourage her through her fears. It's the same. Where do you think that comes from? I'm not that great. But God is, and it's in, it's in him, and therefore he is pouring those things into those who will listen to him and obey. Jesus, yes, Jesus went to the cross for our sins, and God is not mad at you. He is madly in love with you, madly in love with you. And, and when you need him the most, you deserve him the least. And you can't get, you can't get your stuff right until you get in his lap. And you can't get your stuff right together unless you come to God and just talk to him as a rela- in a relational manner. Religion doesn't even register with him anymore. He says it's sickening. He just wants relationship. He just wants connection. He wants you to talk with him. He doesn't want religious speech. And your relationship with God is actually hindered by what your concept of him will allow. Do you think he's angry? You think he's mad you think you think he's just judging others and you think he's disappointed in you you're not going to run to a god like that you're not going to run and want to get in his lap you're going to run from him but it's our concept of who he is who we think he is that actually hinders our relationship and fellowship with him our God is the greatest, most fun-loving daddy in the world, and He pities His children. Our weak, He chilled, pities us in our weaknesses. He's like, man, bless their hearts; they're trying. I just can't wait for them to come to me and, and, and me give them some mercy and grace to help them beyond this. I just hope they'll one decade come to me and get some mercy and grace. I hope one century they will come to me and you know. I can only imagine. Jesus, though, came to destroy the religious structure that hindered our intimacy with God. So we could jump in his lap and have a relationship. So let's look at this. Number two is this, why Jesus was so fearful before his death. He had, as the Son of God, the full knowledge of every single detail of everything he was about to endure. Can you imagine that you knew going in, not just the fear of what might be, but you could actually see everything that could that actually is going to be? Have you ever seen The Passion of Christ? Like, he wrote the movie. He saw it. He wrote the real thing. It was a great depiction of what actually took place. He knew every strike, every swat of of the stick, every stroke of the cat of nine tails. He knew the spit that would be coming his way. He knew the crown of thorns. He knew the disgrace. He knew they'd be stripping him down and fighting over his clothes. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew every bit of it. That's why it's not my will, but your will. But if there's any other way, Lord, can we do it? Matthew's gospel says Jesus went three separate times before God and says, if there's any possible way. And he comes back and says, Daddy, have you changed your mind yet? Yeah. Got any other ideas? I mean, you're, you're the creator. Maybe you come up with something different. Again, hey, just checking in before we go. It's still the same plan? Not my will, but your will be done. And he knew he was facing death, and God gave him his answer no, no, there's no other way. And when he saw the torches coming through the woods, he knew now's the time, here it is, it's going down right now. And if there was any other way for us to have salvation, then a good loving father like that would have spared his child, but that shows us there is no other way to salvation except through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. John fourteen six says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way. The truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus knew and he accepted what he was going to have to go through so that we could live the more abundant life than we're even living right now. So that we could be restored to the Father. He knew. Another reason Jesus was so fearful before his death was Jesus was under a full-scale assault by Satan, and that's a spirit of fear. Again, look at Luke. It says this in verse 413. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until the opportune time. Notice the opportune time. Because Satan is like the most the opportunist of opportunists. Gentle people, when they see you hurting, you see, they'll leave you alone. And they won't put more, more weight on you. Gentle people, when they see you're struggling, uh, even if they don't like you, <laughs> they'll go. You know what? That sucker—that sucker's going through some problems. I don't like them, but I ain't going to be the be- the burden of their of their that they're going to have to bear. But Satan—he's looking for you to have a difficult time. He goes, "Oh, now's the time. I have an opportunity to to completely destroy them. Now they're going through a difficult time. Oh, they're in depression. Great. Here you go. How, here's your financial bur- burden that you have to carry now." oh yeah, now your kid's going to be in the hospital. Fill that out a little bit. That's Satan. Satan is constantly looking for an opportunity to destroy you, to kill, steal, and destroy, to distract and distort your mind, your thinking from everything and anything that God has and says for you and your family, your finances, whatever the situation is that you may ever go through. God has a word for it. He has a truth for it. And Satan is constantly trying to bring more oppression on you. And we get to choose which voice we're going to listen to. 2020 has definitely given us an opportunity to have especially or Satan an opportunity to put more fear, more intrepidation, more worry, more concern. My, man, I remember coming out of the COVID season whenever we were first believing that we can't leave our homes. I remember our own staff. I'm like, man, this is like pulling an airplane up in turbulence. I got to get my staff back focused because we got some people to lead. I remember, you remember that? I remember. And by the way, we were stuck in another country for a while. (laughs) And I remember watching. I'm like, Lord, don't let any fear be seen through me or any concern be seen through me. Nothing is consistent in this world right now except for Jesus. And can I say that every time we started to worship near the pool that we were at and we started to praise God, all of a sudden people started calling us and finding, helping us to find a way out of the country. Amen. Man, that's good. I forgot about that. We just began to focus on God and praise Him and thank Him for what He is doing and what He can do and worship Him, and He began to open up doors that we never saw coming. Crazy. And that's good. So the fear, a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, fear is the opposite of power because when you're struggling with fear, you feel weak. And some of you are probably like, man, I don't even know if I want to get out of bed today. If, uh, fear is the opposite of love because when you're struggling with fear, you're, you become critical and Selfish. Fear is the opposite of a sound mind because when you're struggling with a fear, all of a sudden you're just confused about life in general. When that happens, you're beginning to wrestle with a spirit of fear, but God has given you a, not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind. And you need to know you don't even have fear. This is going to blow some of your minds. You don't have fear. You aren't born with fear. In fact, you're Fearless. You're fearless. God does not make people with fear. I, my, my son is 20 months old, and I am so amazed. We had a, we had a little engagement party out back this yesterday, and we got his, he's got a little red scooter that he rides, and you, you kick it like this, and, and everybody was just floored. He's 20 months old, and he can ride a scooter as if he's a 10-year-old. This kid is just getting it all around the parking lot on his own, fearless, do you know why? Because he's not made of fear. He's not made to have fear. We teach fear. We put fear in because we carry fear as mom and dad or parents or society or world or parent or teacher or whoever we lean it towards or whatever they can whoever the influence is. He's on Friday night, we go to see Brownsboro's last home football game, and there he is just dancing on the, on the bench up in the stadium, and he's just dancing around, and I'm like, this kid is about to fall over on the people in front of us, and he's twirling around and walking up and down the, my line, and, and I'm like, this kid is going, he's going crazy. Two things were at work. He knew he had a loving father near, and that no matter what happened, he was going to be okay, and he's not made of fear. He's not, God has not put fear in any one of you. You are fearless. So if you're wrestling with fear, it's a spirit of fear that has been embedded into your soul and you're struggling with a spirit of fear that is oftentimes making big decisions in your life and it's probably making some very challenging decisions even worse. If you're going to overcome fear, then you're going to have to stop letting that spirit of fear hide in you, and stop saying, "Well, well, I'm afraid if this happens. You know, I'm, I just don't know if this is going to happen. I'm just so afraid." You can't go around declaring those things and meditating on those things, and they become ruminations of the mind and then ruminations of the heart. And all of a sudden, that is the framework from which you think, with which you make decisions. You start to see your situations through these. I don't know if this is going to work out. I don't know if our president, you know, who's going to be our president and if our country is going to be okay or not. Uh, Jesus is still on the throne, and he is still in charge, and he has still given us authority and power, but we have. To use those things, we still have to move beyond the fear, the intrepidation that is in us, and yet move into the situations that we know God is calling His church and you individually into and towards so that you can overcome the spirit, the effects of the spirit of fear. Hebrews uh, number two is this Satan uses fear to control us and keep us from God's will. Man, so many you're wrestling with the spirit of fear, you, you, will, you will struggle fulfilling the, the, the will of God for your life. You will always veer towards the next easiest thing. That's too hard. Well, I can do this, though. That, that, that's going to be difficult. Well, how about this, Lord? You start to negotiate with God, and he's okay. he'll settle for it if you will, but I can tell you, you will get antsy, uncomfortable at some point, and you'll start to realize, and some of you may be, this may be resonating, well, you know what? I just wouldn't call to do that. You never were, but you settled for that because you weren't willing to go through the very things that God had purposed you for. And so in the midst of it, you agonia and reclined rather than agonia and moved forward. You're going to remember this message one day. Hebrews 2.14 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, verse 15, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Man, if you go outside, you're going to die of COVID-19. You're just not going to work out. You better stay home and wear a mask all the time. You're in bondage. Man, I just don't know if this is going to work out. My life is is in shambles. My family's just destroyed. Um, uh, Finances are bad. I I just I don't even want to live. I'm just going to stay in bed. You're in bondage. Which should be very clear. I'm critical about everything that's going on in this world, and I just can't keep my mouth shut. And I can't love people right where they are. (laughs) Calling you out. You're in bondage. It's a spirit of fear that is working in your soul and it is trying to to create a gap so it can make room for its little cohorts. There's going to be a lot more buddies coming in because you're going to make decisions and then you're going to regret those decisions and then other decisions are going to be made based on regret and then you're going to not have the answers because you've been listening to a spirit of fear and failed to listen to the Prince of Peace. Ultimate fear is the fear of death. No one has a fear of flying, actually. You actually have the fear of crashing. No one has a fear of, of, of heights. You have the fear of hitting that concrete and splattering once you fall. So if you could just overcome the one, you might actually miss the other. We're paralyzed by that. Jesus destroyed the devil's power through his own death, so we would never have to worry about dying. And many people will never fulfill the the, the will of God for their life because they are afraid of death. They're afraid of poverty. They're afraid that God won't supply all of their needs and take care of their lives. I'll settle for this. I know God wants me to do this, but you know, let me do it my way. I just don't know if he'll provide in that area. And all the while, God is saying, if you'll just trust me, If you'll just trust me what's on the other side of this thing, you will see I've already got the situation worked out. I just need to build your faith, your confidence, and your boldness up a little bit to move you through what seems to be a difficult situation, but I've already got it figured out on the other side, and I just got to lean into it. So many people never fulfill their will. God's will in their life. John eleven twenty five twenty six 26 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's what he's asking. Do you believe this? You know, uh, you might have actually had a, a loved one that's died. And they were a believer. Their body may be in a casket or in an urn. But they're not there. They're in the presence of the Lord. And one day their resurrected body and restored body will meet them again in heaven and God will take care of all of that. But their last breath here on earth is a first breath in eternity in the presence of God. What is there to fear being in the presence of God? Why should I go through my life wondering, oh my gosh, I hope I don't get in the presence of God? Lord, this is going to be difficult. What am I going to do in your presence? You don't have to worry about it. You're going to enjoy it no matter what it is. Last year, my family went through a very difficult time. In February, uh, we found out that my mom had uh, lymphoma. And I'm telling you, within two weeks, I'm sitting there in the middle of the night taking her to the ER in Tyler because we're not sure she's going to make it fast. We're struggling with that. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with that. And I sit there, I remember, I think maybe it was just before or right after, she's on the couch laid out, and I remember bending down to her, and she said, you know, it hurts. It hurts. And I looked into our eyes, I looked deep into our eyes, because I know the windows of our soul are our eyes. And I looked deep into those eyes, and I said, you just be strong. I said, what's going on with your body is not who you are, you just let the process of this and what the doctors are going to do take place, but you be strong in there. It's a body. Your soul and spirit. Don't worry about what's going to happen to your body. Live the fulfilled life in all your soul. In fact, I realized later that reason she didn't die is because she was so concerned about our family, she wouldn't get it up because we're such a mess. So she's like, I want to ride this thing out, make sure I'm there to see what goes on. Your, your loved one, so some of you are like, I, our, our family's not a mess. Well, praise the Lord, your, your, your family's in the presence of God. Your loved one, who is, <laughs> they're better off anyway. You know, my drummer came up and said, uh, how are you doing? The guy said, how are you doing? He goes, well, I'd be better if I'm dead. He goes, yeah, you know, I would be with the Lord. I'd be with the Lord. He goes, I just wanted to, I like the shock value. <laughs> Satan uses fear to keep us from God's perfect will for our lives. Here's what fear is. Fear is actually a prophet spirit from hell sent to give us a negative report about the future that will upset us and cause us to make a fear-based decision, which God will not honor. You start worrying about all these things. How many people have worried a thousand times about something that never took place? Um, yeah, me too. And, and yet, thinking back, like, why do I worry about that? None of those things, or things that you would tell somebody if you were upset when the next time you see them and when you get in their face, you never say, anything. Yeah, hey, I just love you so much. I mean, you know, God never uses fear, He uses peace. And so when the enemy tells you, and, and many, many media is sitting there declaring, oh, you know what? This presidential election, is it's, just, it's going crazy. Your world is going to turn upside down. You can't go outside. It's COVID-19 is going to get you. If you go, Antifa is coming to your town this weekend, so you better get guns up, buddy. You better walk out. Don't go anywhere. In fact, stay home. The spirit of fear is at work. Don't go to church. Don't go get what you need. It. Yeah, don't go get what you need. That's not going to turn out good at all. Probably going to get sick and die while you're there, right there in the floor. (laughs) Y'all are laughing because it happened. (laughs) That thought, that thought came through and like, do I go to church? When you're filled filled with fear, you make fear-based decisions and God will never honor those. It upsets you and you aren't even thinking clearly. Anybody ever got angry and they made a decision? You're like, why in the world did I do that? Yeah. No, no, all of you have done that. All, every one of you have made a decision while angry, and you're like, man, that was stupid. Well, yeah, spirit of fear came in. You got all upset. You got all worried, and you started making decisions based on the whispers of the enemy rather than finding the peace from the Father and then moving forward based on wisdom and peace and understanding, right? And so then all hell starts to break loose, and situations get worse, and then there, there comes this rotation of life and life and life, and it just continues to happen. You are not operating in power, love, and a sound mind. You are operating in weakness, selfishness, and confusion. Number two is this thing I want to explain to you is understand, want to understand the nature of destruction, fear, and why the devil uses it. So the nature of destruction, fear. Uh, there's two types of fear. There's a, good, there's a good fear, and it's circumstantial, and then there's a, a bad fear that is actually perpetual. A good fear is you think about, man, I, I, got, I almost got into a car accident, and I was able to avoid it. This fear came over me, but then it, it's circumstantial, so it goes away. It actually gave me some instinct, and I made really quick decisions based on it, and so I, w- I was okay. Well, that's circumstantial. That's a good fear. And, but there's bad fear, and that's when it's perpetual throughout life. I'm so worried about everything b- b- bad going on or happening or, or something not going to work out the way I really want it to work out, and it becomes paralyzing over time. Good fear is protective. Bad fear is paralyzing. Good fear is instructive. Bad fear is confusing. Good fear is empowering. Bad fear is enslaving. And you start to feel that way. Circumstantial, protective, instructive, and empowering. These are all fears. These are all awarenesses, fears that God has provided for you in your time of need. These all help guide you and instruct you and empower you. But a demonic fear is perpetual, it's paralyzing, it's confusing, it's enslaving. It's a fear, this fear is a demon spirit sent from the devil himself to destroy your life and keep you from everything that God has for you. So why Satan uses fear? This is going to be really easy. It's the only thing he has to use. That's why he uses it. That's all he's got. Isaiah Isaiah 48, 22 says, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. And let me tell you, he's wicked. He's evil. Uh, he, he, He cares less about you. He loves to whisper to you, but he hates you. Number two is this. It's how he feels. He's afraid. He's afraid that he won't get what he wanted whenever he tried to take the worship, the authority away from God. He's afraid. He's full of fear. It is how he thinks. He just thinks fear all the time. He crafts a counterfeit of everything that is good that God created to empower you, to instruct you, to to bring provision for you. He created a counterfeit to distract and to distort and to disturb you from everything that God wants you to do, to accomplish, and to have. Isaiah 11, one says this, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his root, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, talking about Jesus, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Now, this is talking about the Holy Spirit is going to fall upon Jesus. And that took place after he got baptized and it says next, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. What that is, is a reverence. It's a holy reverence of, you, of when we receive the Holy Spirit, just like when the Lord received the Holy Spirit. We will begin to have access to knowledge, counsel, might, wisdom, understanding will be rested upon us in this holy reverence of, Lord, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work out. But I know you're a good father and I know I have intimacy with you, I can trust you, that no matter what happens, whether it goes my way or not, it's gonna go your way and all I need to do is operate and live and walk out from a place of peace so I can do your will. That's what that fear does. There's two two spirits at work. There's There's a spirit of fear that comes from the Lord. It will rest on you. And it will give you peace and empowerment and protect you. There's a spirit of fear that comes from Satan, and it's a demonic spirit, and it wants to wreak havoc in your life. And many of us are making decisions based on the wrong fear. And it's destroying us, it's confusing us, and it's even causing us to be angry at our Heavenly Father. Number four is this it's what controls Satan. Fear control saying he knows that he will be bound for a thousand years there during the millennial rule and reign of Christ. He knows it's coming. There's a day coming when Christ comes. I'm going to be bound for a thousand years, so I'm going to try to get people as many people deceived and full of fear as I possibly can right now. He he's in a circus, and we get to choose if we're going to listen to it or not. So here's what you need to know for discernment. As much as you know the presence of God by peace, you need to be able to discern the presence of day, the of the spirit of fear. By intrepidation and fear itself. When I'm starting to get into a situation, wait a minute. I, this, 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 this is not me. This is not me. This, this comes from somebody else. God never uses fear. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I want to want to explain to you. It's not about not even having a fear. It's what I do with that fear. You see. When you go through situations, and you're going into a situation, and God has that situ- that for you to walk through. You get to decide, am I gonna look at that and let that control me and have mastery over me? Or I'm gonna say, God has taken me through so much, I'm gonna put that behind me, I'm gonna turn that into fuel because I know if I feel this way, it's just like the other times when I broke through a boundary in my life, a spiritual boundary in my life, and I did something anyway in spite of some concern and fear and God got the glory on the other side, I can begin to use that knowledge and that wisdom and put it behind me and say, that's similar to the thing that happened in the past. So I'm going to use that as fuel rather than as something, as a hindering, a stumbling block in front of me. You get it? There's a transference of that. There's a transference of that feel, that fear. So how to come overcome fear? One, admit your fear without shame. Admit your fear without shame. God is the Father. He will never shame you for coming to him. He will never shame you for bringing fear and worry. Jesus actually fell down in front of the father and he said, hey, daddy, if there's any other way, please. If there's any other way. And he did it without shame. Anything under darkness is the devil's domain. That's where he operates. So when when we use pride and we go into a situation, well, you know what? I'm just gonna step into this thing. Man, we start to make all kind of prideful decisions because really we're operating with fear and we start to make decisions that actually destroy and affect negatively the situation that God had purposed for us, but we wouldn't come to him and humbly allow him to give us boldness and grace and mercy from the throne room so that we can actually make Wise decisions in the middle of those situations that would honor Him, bring the kingdom of earth to heaven. Into that situation, and now we get to watch Him be glorified and watch Him take care of the situations in front of us. Man, I, I I'm telling you, this God is trying to do all He can to bless you. While we were on a while we were in, in on a sabbatical, there was daily. I was trying to take my kids to get some ice cream or to the playground or to somewhere where we're going to have fun, but I couldn't convince them that we're about to go have fun. Just please put your seatbelt on and get in your car seat so we'll be safe on the way. There's fighting, there's screaming, there's throwing shoes, there's throwing iPads, there's chaos all around. And I'm sitting here telling Allie, we just want to bless them. (laughs) You know the feeling. I'm going to turn that upside down on you. That's us. And God is saying, I'm just trying to bless you. Fighting, throwing. God, I can't believe you. Why are you doing this for me? Holding on to the door. Like you're (laughs) trying to bless you. (laughs) Number two, submit your fears to God. Jesus fell, fell down in front of his father. He said, Daddy, please, I don't want to do this. But he stayed yielded through the process to his father's will. I don't, I don't want to do it, but, but your will. And if Jesus would have submitted to his fears, then we wouldn't have a Savior. But instead, he submitted his fears to the Father and thus gave us a Savior, savior so that you and I can have salvation and restoration, so we can do all this stuff. And if Jesus was mastered by his emotions, he would, there would be no resurrection day. And we would just be here hanging up. It would be a lion's club with no lion, no power no passion. We came here to sit, and hopefully close to 12 we leave. Close to 12. Courage isn't the absence, Mark Twain, courage isn't the absence of fear, it's the mastery of it. Man, the most courageous people, the first responders, those frontline folks um, and now I would say a stay at home parent you guys are the most fearless people in the whole world and it 's not because they truly have not never had fear come their way it 's because they 've learned how to master it wrestle that thing down and say nope i 'm going to put that in my fuel pack and i 'm going to use it to give me awareness and a sense of understanding i 'm about to go into a house fire if i 'm a firefighter i 'm about to go into a, a house fight if I'm a stay-at-home parent. I'm about to go into something, and I'm not going to go in there with fear. I'm going to go in there with awareness, a sense of understanding what's about to take place, knowing the situation. I'm going to go in there with wisdom, and that is called mastery over the fear that is trying to attack you and keep you from being all God created you to be. James 4, 6, 7 says, but he gives more grace. You know, we need so much grace. Therefore, he says, but God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And the proud won't come to God this way. The proud will not submit their fears. And that's why so many don't have the grace to live the fulfilled life. The proud won't go low and say, Lord, I repent for my ways, and Lord, I just want to seek your face. The proud will complain because God never did such and such and so and so. And God is saying, if you'll just come boldly to the throne of grace, and throne of mercy, receive grace. If you'll just come, you'll just come. Number three is this, focus on God's presence and love. Submit your fears, address your fears, submit them to God, focus on God's presence and love Peter, as he rose up full of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2.22, says this. He declares, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands. It feels like we're in that day right now, things being taken by lawless hands have crucified and put to death whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it for david says concerning him now david was prophesying in psalm 16 things that would come through his 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 root jesus in fact jesus would actually do these things and declare these things at the same time Says for David says concerning Jesus, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for He is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced, my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption. This is what Jesus was saying on the way to the cross while carrying his cross, here he is saying, "My Lord is before me. I foresaw the Lord, the, the Lord's face. He is at my right hand. I will not be afraid. I will not be shaken." Over and over, on the way to the cross, God, Jesus is saying, "I see the Lord before me. He is at my right hand. He will not leave me. He will not harm me. He will not allow my body to corrupt. He will not allow my body to stay in Hades." I saw the Lord before me. He is at my right hand. He will not allow me to fail in the midst of his most agonizing and fearful situation, he's sitting there meditating and he's seeing the father in the midst of what would have been a fearful situation for any of us. He's meditating on the presence and focusing on the presence of God. And he's saying, I see the Lord before always before my face. He is at my right hand. I may not be shaken. Yeah, I may be trembling, but I will not be shaken. And you in the middle of your most difficult situations, time and time after again, you know you're doing it because God has given you the, the understanding or the idea to do it and he's giving you what you need in the moment to get you through that situation your best way of rewriting your software in your mind is saying I see the Lord before me and he is at my right hand he will not be bring me to a place to fail I see the Lord before me he is at my right hand he will not allow me to be shaken I see the Lord before me he is at my right hand he will not allow me to shake be shaken when you meditate you declare and you focus on the presence of God in those most difficult situations. What you're doing is, I will not allow myself to think fear and and doubt and worry and anxiety and I wonder if He's going to be a provider. No, I'm focusing and I'm rewriting my thought process completely. On my God is in front of me. He's at my right side. He will not allow me to be shaken. He will not allow my body to corrupt in Hades. He forever is with me and He's going through this with me. Somebody needs to get it today that you are going. Going through something and it is shaking you, and you are wanting to pull back, you're wanting to quit, you're wanting to check out. It's almost divorce time, and God is saying, "That's not my answer." You are going through some pains, and He's saying, "Look at me, son. Look at me, daughter. I'm forever before you. In fact, I'm at your right hand. You will not be shaken. Just do my will." You've got to get your thinking and your confession aligned with the words of God so you know in any situation your God will never leave you nor forsake you. Number four is take authority over a spirit of fear in Jesus' name. Luke 10, 19, 20 says it. Not going to read it. Matthew 18, 18 tells us Jesus talks about binding and loosening. Whatever you bind on earth, he will bind in heaven. And Whatever you loose on earth, he will loose in heaven. Jesus is saying, I'm going to co-labor with you. I have given you my presence. I have given you empowerment. I've given you authority. And I'm going to help you to discern good and evil. And I'm saying, whenever you see evil in this world, you bind it up. You get the word in its place. And you loose what needs to be loose, because I, just like you, want to see the kingdom of heaven on earth. I want the earth as it is in heaven. So when you see it, brother, sister, he's saying, you better bind it up. When you see it, you better come along and you better loose it up. And I'm going to trust in you and we're going to work together, but not your will. The will of the father may be done. And here's how it looks. I'm going to show you. You just bind up that spirit of fear. You bind it up. You say, spirit of fear, I I break the agreement that I had with you. I will no longer listen to your words. I will no longer listen to your selfishness. I will no longer make make, make, make me feel weak. I will no longer allow you to bring confusion into my life. Father, please forgive me for not fully entrusting you in every area of my life. I bind the spirit of fear in Jesus' name, and I loose love and power and a sound mind over my house, over me, over my family, over my church, over my city, in Jesus' mighty name. And it's just like that. And he must go, because if you have been a believer for five minutes, you have the authority to do it. You may not have the confidence yet, but you have the authority to do it. And you operate from a place of peace not pride. You know he's doing it. You're not doing a thing. You're co-laboring with him in all of that. Number five, face your fears by faith and watch them crumble. I just want to say, I just want to say, I'm not self-righteous in this. This is not some guy saying he's super holy and he's a all power. I have moment after moment had to face fears planting a church. Even jo- even getting into the ministry, I had to f- overcome some of my greatest fears. Oh, they're going to find out about your past. Oh, they're not going to know what you did. Oh, whisper continually. You know what I did? I told everybody. I just started getting on the platform and say, here's here's what I've done. Here's what's happening. And if you can do that, Satan has nothing over you. <laughs> So moment after moment, I had to turn this situation, and it always turned out well. Where it may not have turned out the way I wanted it, but it always turned out the way he wanted it, and he always blesses what he wants anyway. And he just works. Face your fears by faith and watch them crumble. Luke 24, 20, last one says, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. He had just gone to his death, and they're like, Dude, he's supposed to come down off that cross and we're supposed to now take over the Romans and we're supposed to take over the world. He's going to be the king and he's gone. What do we do now? As soon as they don't see him, all of a sudden they're grumbling. They're going back to their old ways and they're like full of fear. What's going to happen? And he walks in, and he says, peace, 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 peace. peace. About six or seven years ago, I was uh, pastoring at another church, and the executive pastor comes to me, and he says, Nathan, there's a family in our church, and um, I think you might be best suited to go over to minister to them. I have something else going on tonight. Could you go over and talk with them? So I go over, and I'm talking with them, and uh, I'm hearing the story, and the son, the, the son, he's, he's in his 20s, mid-20s, he's got a family now and he's moving back to mom and dad's home with their kids, their little babies, little infants, and th- their infants. And, they're, and he, he's, he's saying, I don't know about this, and the wife is saying, we don't know about this. We really need this, but there's some things that are going on upstairs, and it's really wicked. And I said, okay, tell me about it. When did it happen? He goes, well, it really started when I was a little kid. He said, uh, I started noticing it when my brother moved out He grew up and had his own life. And then my other brother moved out, started living his own life. And there I was. I was there by myself, uh, all alone upstairs. And I started hearing feet walking up and down the hallway, but nobody was out there. He said, then I would hear the door shake, the doorknob shake, and I would go to answer it, but nobody would be there. He goes, and I never told my parents I was terrified to be up there alone. And so I'd sit in my room. Just terrified. Struggle going to sleep. Now, that's meditating on the fear to spirit the spirit of fear. And I said, okay. I said, Well, you, you ready to get rid of it? I mean, just that simple. And just as simple. And he goes, Yeah, because I don't want my kids to have to experience that because here's what's been going on since they've been here with me. Upstairs, the climate will go from hot to cold, hot to cold, hot to cold we still hear the shaking of the doorknob in my room. And it's still at night, something wakes us up because it feels like somebody is coming up and down the hall. Okay. And so I say, well, I'm gonna repeat some things. I'm gonna say some things, you repeat them because I can't take authority over something you've agreed with. Yes. You have to take authority because you have authority in Jesus' name because the blood of Jesus washes over you and he's given you authority over your family, yourself, your house. And, he, and Daddy steps up and he says, he takes off his sweater. He had an undershirt on. He didn't like. <laughs> he says, Nathan, I, I need to do it too. I've been struggling with fear since they were a kid. I never really talked about this. But I was, as a landman in the oil field, back when they were children, I need, we needed more money. And I was walking through a field and I saw a dead body by a stump. He said, it terrified me. I was afraid to go into the woods from that day forward. That's why I do the profession that I now do. Okay. And so I sit there and I walk them through the same prayer. I said, now, break the agreement that you had with the spirit of fear. Bind it. Loose what comes from God. Command it to go in Jesus' name. And they both did it simultaneously because what daddy lets in the house is going to be in the house. Because daddy has spiritual authority over the house. And daddy Daddy gets to cancel. Daddy gets to say, hey, that's not going to last in here. Mm Mm-mm. Daddy. Is the one that washes the house in the Word. And seven years, six years later, never has there been an occurrence. Never was there an occurrence in that house after that because they learned how to take authority over the demonic realm in their home and the agreements that they had with the spirit of fear. And it's gone. Man, praise God for that. Yeah, thank you. Somebody's happy about it. So you're troopers. You know I'm excited. It's my first first weekend back. I'm about to get you out. But before I do, right there where you're at, I want to ask you to bow your heads and just say this prayer with me. I cancel my agreement with the spirit of fear. I cancel my agreement with the spirit of fear. Father, please forgive me for not fully entrusting you In every area of my life life. I bind this spirit of fear I bind bind weakness I bind bind selfishness I bind bind that critical spirit and I bind confusion in Jesus name and I I I lose love I lose lose joy I joy. I I lose a sound mind And I lose power. power. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Somebody stand up, give Jesus a praise.